If you're looking for something to do this May 30th through June 2nd, why don't you join us at CrimeCon in Nashville, Tennessee? We can all rub elbows with people like John Walsh, John Douglas, and Chris Hansen. Come and visit Murder in the Rain on Podcast Row, where we'll be sitting next to some of our own favorite podcasts. You can get 10% off your tickets by using code RAIN at checkout at CrimeCon.com. Murder in the Rain, where each week Emily Rowney, Alicia Holland, and Josh McCullough tell true crime stories of the Pacific Northwest. Murder in the Rain contains graphic content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. It's us, Murder in the Rain. I'm Emily. I'm Alicia. I'm Josh. Typically, each Tuesday, we have a new episode for listeners. This week, we thought we'd do something a little bit different because we'll be on our way to CrimeCon in Orlando, Florida in mere hours, and we needed a little bit of a break from the typical research we do for our episodes in order to prepare for our trip. So why don't we do a little of everything today? A couple of stories, a discussion, case updates... Maybe a little bit of shoop in the poop. What do you guys think? I think that sounds like a lovely way to welcome all our new listeners. As we're a true crime podcast in the Pacific Northwest, we cover cases from the Pacific Northwest. In each episode, one of us shares a story, and after we tell that story, we discuss it as a group. On Patreon, we also have bonus episodes, and some of them have their own themes, and they're from all over the U.S. and even abroad. I've started a few series, such as Killer Couples, Medical Murders, and the Welcome To series, where I cover a case from a Patreon listener's hometown. Alicia started an amazing series called Deduce, and we've shared that on our main feed. Did you want to talk about what you do in that series? I would love to. If you are a cool person, you might recall the 1990s program on Fox called Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. Sure, it was first hosted by James Brolin. Who cares? The real star was the second host, Jonathan Frakes. On the program, he would introduce a dramatization retelling the story of a bizarre crime, a paranormal experience, or other tales that were beyond belief. But that wasn't all the show offered. At the end, Jonathan would present the answers to the story— meaning he would explain that some of them had actually occurred or they had been made up by the writers of the show. True or false, he never gave a good explanation. It was usually just a not today or totally false. Sometimes you might get a according to research, this did happen in the 20th century. It was a perfectly bizarre 90s format. Well, Josh and I got on a kick of watching this on Tubi, and I thought that that would be a fun game of sorts to play on our Patreon. So I have introduced Deduce, which is the same concept. I tell a handful of stories, then Josh, Emily, and you, the listener, guess as to whether it was a shockingly true story or a silly falsehood that I had made up. It has been quite fun to see if I can dupe these two. We also do a special series called Shoop in the Poop, Some people shoot the shit, but we shoot the poop. The episodes are made up of snippets of conversation, anecdotes, clips of us making fun of each other, flubs, and outtakes from the show that are a little too spicy for the main feed. 
It's our weekly time to catch up, chat about movies, books, just anything that's going on in our lives. And there's a lot of swear words. And occasionally we might bring up an article that happened or like a news story. I know we've done that a few times, but mostly it's just fun time. That's right. I'll kick us off with a story out of Portland that we get a lot of questions about on social media. Many of you have been asking us about what had been the possibility of and has since become a confirmation of an active serial killer in the Portland area. Since police are still keeping a lot of information to themselves as they prepare for what is likely to be a massive case, we aren't going to be covering the story anytime soon. We don't typically like to get involved with speculation on active cases because it's dangerous to use our platform that way. However, we did want to share with you what is currently publicly known. In a span of less than three months, the bodies of six women were discovered in isolated wooded areas near Portland, Oregon earlier this year. All of the bodies were within 100 miles of each other, and all of them were under the age of 40. As you can imagine, the internet spiraled. Many people were speculating that there was a serial killer or a group of killers in the area. We have since learned that four of those six women were officially linked to each other and likely killed by the same person. So let's focus on the four identified victims that are currently linked. On February 19, 2023, remains were found in a wooded area of the Pleasant Valley neighborhood near the intersection of Southeast Deerdorf Road and Southeast Flavelle Street. The remains were confirmed to be 22-year-old Kristen Smith from Gresham, Oregon. Kristen had been reported missing on December 22, 2022. Two months later, in April, another body was discovered in a culvert in Ainsworth State Park. The victim was 24-year-old Charity Perry, who was last seen in March. Charity had been living in a tent in Vancouver and was known to struggle with mental issues and drug addiction. Early in March, she had actually suffered an overdose and was treated shortly before she went missing. A week after Charity's body was discovered, the body of 31-year-old Bridget Webster from Milwaukee was found on Harmony Road in Polk County on April 30th. Finally, Ashley Real. The 22-year-old was found in a rural area of Clackamas County. Ashley was last seen at a restaurant on Southeast Division on March 27th. A missing persons report was filed for her on April 4th. At this time, we don't know the cause of death for Kristen Smith, Charity Perry, Bridget Webster, or Ashley Real. On June 4th, the Portland Police Bureau had said that the cases didn't seem to be connected. But I think that was a little bit of, hey, look over here because we're behind the scenes working on some shit. Because on July 17th, the public learned that four of the women were indeed linked by, quote, at least one person of interest. While we aren't sure how it came to be that this person of interest is connected to these four women, we do know multiple sources have named him. Jesse Lee Calhoun is a 38-year-old Portland man. Calhoun has a rap sheet that he's been adding to since 2003. It's so long, and Alicia was kind enough to put it together for me. It took her 45 minutes to edit the info from Been Verified. And then, of course, I went in again and edited it last night. So it's a long list, and I'm just going to breeze right through it. But thank you for doing that, Alicia. Uh, it was one of those things I got about halfway through, and I thought, well, I have to finish doing this. Yeah. But this could very well be one of those things that are immediately deleted, and you just have to come to terms with No, it. no, I kept it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to touch on it, though. So in 2003, we have assault charges, assault three, assault four, assault four felony, 2007, there was assault in the fourth degree, strangulation, harassment, of course, a little violating the speed limit. 
In 2013, he was operating a vehicle without a license, not wearing safety belt. The next year, again, it was more car issues, but also possession of methamphetamine. The next year, 2015, more driving uninsured without registration, violations, stolen vehicles, driving uninsured, violation for driving while suspended. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Lots of car thefts, lots of felon with a firearm, like literally everything you could think of when you're on parole that you're not supposed to do is on this list. In 2016, he was again operating without a license, uh, failure to register plates, driving uninsured. And then in 2018, it starts to get ramped up even more. More methamphetamine charges, possession of a firearm, identity theft, stealing vehicles, endangering people, theft in the third degree. You, you get the idea. He's breaking into houses, he's stealing, and he is assaulting people. So in November of 2019, Calhoun was sentenced to three years after pleading guilty to a variety of those 2018 charges, including being in possession of a stolen car, burglary and hurting a law enforcement animal, a.k.a. a canine dog when he was being arrested. Like what a piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, literally just from 2018 and 19, I can't count. It's 30 or 40 charges. Yeah. Varying from assault and harassment to I mean, just everything. I counted 76. Wow. So just and that's what's logged. That's what's logged. Yeah. Those are and, and some of these for the record, they are they were dismissed. So it is charges. It's not that he was found guilty of sure. uh, uh, some of these things. The one that stands out to me because of other episodes we've done and conversations we've had with people is the strangulation, because that's always a sign of if someone is willing to strangle you, they are willing to really hurt you and or take your life. Yes, it's so easy to go from mad strangling someone mm-hmm. to killing them. It's a very delicate part of your body. And that's body. like, I know that this can take your life. Yeah. And as we'll see, becomes a pattern When Calhoun was publicly named a person of interest, his criminal history was quickly uncovered by a variety of media outlets. It was also learned that he had part of his sentence less than a year commuted by Oregon's former governor, Kate Brown. Now, the reasoning that that decision was made is because he participated in fire service, which was fighting forest fires in 2020. Many of you may find that upsetting and blame Kate Brown. It's something we hear a lot in our episodes. If he is found guilty in these crimes, consider this. Despite the fact that he was let out early, the date that the first victim was likely killed was after his original release date. So I'm not sure there is anything that would have stopped him from doing that. But it is something that comes up repeatedly with Mm -hmm. a lot of the criminals in Oregon. In the almost two years since his release, he was pulled over for driving on a suspended license. And in May of 2022, a man in Clackamas is reported to have filed paperwork to get a stalking order against Calhoun. The man claimed he had followed him and then threatened him. The judge who reviewed that case dismissed the order. Previously, I mentioned we're still unsure about how Jesse Calhoun is connected to all four women, but we do know a source spoke to the Oregonian and mentioned that Bridget Webster and Charity Perry frequented an area near the Clackamas Town Center and may have known each other. Also, in November of last year, just a few months before her death, Ashley Reel had filed claims that Jesse Calhoun was abusive towards her. 
he had also filed complaints about domestic violence and even strangulation against her. And it's something he went to court for in 2007. Those claims were dismissed, and it's unclear if Ashley's claims were also dismissed. One person who has openly spoken out in this case claims to be Jesse Calhoun's girlfriend. She has made claims that Ashley Real and Jesse Calhoun had been casually dating for about a year. The woman also claimed that he had sought sex from Bridget Webster in exchange for drugs. These claims have not been confirmed by police, but were reported to the Independent. All in all, I think it's safe to say he was very poorly monitored when he was let out of prison. And he's really not the only one who was. An article in the Willamette Weekly said the following, quote, Records show that 11 of the 41 inmates released for their work fighting fires in 2020 have subsequently been arrested on felony charges and two others have been arrested for misdemeanors. It's almost like we shouldn't just let people out willy nilly. Yeah, without some sort of resource or uh-huh. something to go to. Yeah. Training, therapy, you know, all of those things. Checking in. Checking in. So where are we now? We are basically waiting for charges to be filed. Here is a joint statement from law enforcement. Quote, no charges have been filed against anyone in connection with any of these four death investigations. Investigators have interviewed multiple people in connection with these cases and have identified at least one person of interest that is linked to all four of the decedents. Based on the available information to investigators, there is not believed to be any active danger in the community at this time. No additional information, including the nature of information that links these four cases together, is being released at this time, as there are ongoing death investigations. The cause and manner of death in each case remains undetermined by the Oregon State Medical Examiner. Again, no speculation, but I do have a potential connection to one of the victims that I may or may not interview. Again, we never want to probe into a case where information needs to be held close to the chest. While we love speaking to family members and victims for insights on what happened, we also have to you know, support them being very careful about what they say and the information that they have because the DA is likely prepping a case that could be put in jeopardy. We've talked about cases where a ball was dropped and a bad guy went free, so podcasts and the media have to be very sensitive to that. Investigators are still talking to anyone with information, so if you have any information that can help in this case, we'll list the appropriate contacts in our episode notes. I've mentioned in previous cases how police or cities end up writing a check to the victims of police assault or to the families of those they have wrongfully killed. This week, we were granted some behind-the-scenes confirmation of just how casual police officers view death. I will be the first to say that I would have been mortified if someone recorded me at the end of the day back when I worked in a school or a mental health facility. So I get that when things are the darkest, humor can be the only way to get through it. But this instance is much more upsetting and cold. Thankfully, Seattle's police department decided in the name of transparency to share a video from an officer's body cam. It wasn't of a shooting, but of the aftermath after an accidental death. Janavi Kandula was 23 years old on January 23rd of this year when Officer Kevin Dave was headed to a Priority One call regarding an overdose. I don't know what the speed limit was on the road he was driving, but I doubt it was anywhere close to the 74 miles an hour he was going, while only sporadically chirping his siren, not leaving it on. 
Janavi did not see him coming and was struck while crossing the road in a crosswalk. Janavi had been living in Seattle for less than two years. She had come from Bangalore, India, and was in pursuit of her Master's of Science and in Information Systems. She would have graduated this December. Janavi was struck, and Officer Dave stopped, saying, I fucked up. He called for help, but she died at the hospital. When a watchdog group member tasked with reviewing body cam footage heard what Officer Arder was saying about the incident, she reported it and an investigation began. Then the footage of the clip was made public. Listener discretion, this is very upsetting. I don't think she was thrown 40 feet either. Uh, I think she went up on the hood, hit the windshield. Then when he hit the brakes, flew off the car. But she is dead. (laughs) No, it's a regular person. Yeah, just write a check. Yeah, $11,000. She was 26 anyway. She had limited value. Officer Outer, when asked, claimed he was mocking what the litigation surrounding her death would sound like when the city's lawyers got involved. Uh Uh-huh. It's important to note that if this guy doesn't face any consequences, it may be because he's the vice president of the Seattle PD Officers Guild. We will keep an eye on this case, and if anything comes from it, we will let you know. Now, I generally don't have any updates for my stories because they're old-timey, crimey, and they've happened 80, maybe 100 (laughs) years ago. Do you guys have any updates on your cases, which are a little more current? With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom or the motherly figure in your life? Let me tell you about MyLifeInABook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send your recipient a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about, for example, your mom's life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then she can either type her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories forever. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. Obviously, we love anything surrounding storytelling. It's what we do. So to be able to gift this to my mom, to not only hear her stories, but the stories of my grandparents and other family members, it will create a cherished gift for all of us to enjoy. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use the code RAIN at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use the code RAIN for 10% off today. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up to your door in as little as two days. And when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out and choose more styles. 
Like many of you, my personal style has evolved over the years, but if I want to try something new, sometimes it's hard to know what pieces will work for me. Rather than going to the mall for hours or spending too much money on pieces I might not like, Armoire allows me to rent high-quality designer clothes for any occasion. I can try styles I never considered before without worrying about the store's return policy, like a pair of faux leather pants for my new band. Of course, all of this sounds great, but what's even better is that it's a woman-founded business. You benefit from finding the perfect outfits, all while supporting a business that was built by women just like us. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash murder in the rain. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash murder in the rain, one word, to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Well, this wasn't my case. This was Emily's case where she covered Richard Gilmore. But we were recently speaking with Tiffany and Danielle, the women that she interviewed for that episode. And they let us know that they're actually working with a writer to release a book about their experiences and how the judicial system failed them. So be sure to check them out on Facebook or Instagram and they will keep you up to date. And we will let you know as soon as they have a release date. We would also like to thank Danielle for making her way all the way to Austin, Texas for the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival a few weeks ago, where she even attended our presentation of her story, which was quite intimidating, but also really an honor for all of us. I loved it, too, because she got to address people's questions in our session because she's done so much work working with the Senate, getting laws changed. And people in the audience were having their own legal issues or, you know, they might have been a victim of a crime at one point and wanted to go to court. And they were asking her about how to handle those things. And I thought that was really cool that she was very engaged with everyone. You know, she was in that position, too, starting from scratch. And Mm -hmm. now she has all of this knowledge. And she's like, yep, let me tell you how to do it, because the more we all know how to do it, the less intimidating it is and the more we can get done. Yeah. And I'm hoping that she'll actually be a presenter at one of the upcoming festivals because I think people could really benefit from hearing her story and how to get involved in, in making changes. Yeah. In sad news, partial remains of Shane Springer, who we covered in the special episode Missing Shane Springer back in February of 22, were recovered at the end of June this year. Those remains were located just five miles southwest of the Blue River Reservoir, which had been where his car was recovered after his disappearance. So we want to start by sending his friends and family our deepest condolences. And we hope that police are able to not only recover all of his remains, but that they are able to find a resolution in his case. To stay up to date on any information regarding Shane Springer, you can follow Missing in Blue River, Oregon area. Find Shane Springer on Facebook. For those who attended our live show, you heard my coverage of the murders of Mache Melendez and Layla Stewart. 27-year-old Mache and her 7-year-old daughter Layla were shot and killed in March of this year. They had been missing for just about six days before their bodies were found in Washington. Kirkland Warren, the man accused of killing them, who you might not know was out on bail from Arkansas for murder, has been in jail since March of this year. He was set to go to trial basically now, mid-September. However, they are apparently waiting for some new DNA to come back from what they found on the firearm, which is very promising. And I would kind of be shocked if he didn't end up taking a deal. Mm -hmm. 
I honestly think his only reason for not taking a deal if he is offered one would be so he could publicly humiliate Mache because in my research, that just seems like something he yep. would do. As of now, his trial will be taking place in January, but we'll keep you posted on that. I will be doing an episode on Mache and Layla once his case is closed. Until then, I've been working with people close to the girls, and we're actually trying to get a roadside memorial in place where their bodies were discovered, what is now hollowed ground to her family. And I want to give the biggest thanks and kudos to, of all places, a government agency. Kaylee, who works in community engagement for the Department of Transportation in Washington, went above and beyond in trying to help. She started by asking her team to not remove any signs or stuffed animals or other adornments that had been left in the area. Her concern, though, was that something would be hidden by overgrown grass and it could be mowed over accidentally, which is obviously a safety issue. She then took her team out to the location to take measurements and to give me options, which she did over the phone. In the end, we decided that the best option was to contact the landowner to ask permission to put a plaque on a tree. I was able to track down the real estate agent working with that family, and he forwarded my email to the owner, but I have yet to hear back. So if anyone listening knows anything about roadside memorials or you have any suggestions as to how we can help this family have something in place, please email us at murderintherain at gmail.com and I'd be happy to present any feasible ideas to her family. Now, this isn't so much of an update, but I wanted to share something that happens from time to time, which we've talked about on other episodes, is a family member or a friend of a victim may hear our episode and reach out to us. This could be to give us some extra insight, thank us for coverage, or even send a correction. Sometimes they even answer questions that have come up in the episode that we're not sure what the answer is. And that's what happened to me recently. In June, we aired an episode called Crossed Paths. This was the case I also covered in our Portland Live show this summer. The case was focused on two girls who went missing in the late 70s, 12-year-old Anne-Marie Ellenwood, who went missing during a March of Dimes walkathon in Corvallis, 11-year-old Stephanie Ann Newsom, who vanished while delivering newspaper advertisements near her home in Salem, Oregon. Once that episode aired, a family member of Stephanie's reached out. I'm not going to name her because I didn't get a chance to ask her permission before we put this episode together. But she essentially said that she often wonders if Stephanie's story would end up on a podcast because there really wasn't a ton of information out in the world. She mentioned anger and even outrage about what accused killer Earl Frederick Chambers did to Stephanie and how he treated her body and how that really affected her family. She sent her appreciation for the coverage and shared this little nugget of info. In the episode, I mentioned Stephanie wore tights under her jeans, and her family member clarified that she took dance lessons, and it was highly likely she was wearing the tights for ease so she could go to dance class after she delivered those newspaper advertisements. So I appreciated that she reached out, and uh, our thoughts go with her and her yeah. family, of course, but I thank her for listening. Another family member's response was from a Patreon listener who mentioned she's related to Heather, who was the focus of my most recent episode, The Address Book. Heather was just a teen when she was brutally raped and murdered. Her family member mentioned she has often considered asking us to cover Heather's case, but just never brought herself to do it. She did mention that Heather's childhood was really rough. We appreciate her reaching out. And again, our hearts go out to her and her family. 
With every case we do, we run the risk of our listeners knowing the person we're talking about. We really try to first and foremost be respectful and accurate, which leads me to another update about this episode. We have a little correction corner, if you will. (laughs) The city west of Astoria where Heather's body was found is Warrington, not Warrington. And I actually did know that, but I must have written it wrong the first time and then just everything was written wrong. And that's what I ended up recording. So no need to send us any more notes. I have updated the show notes. I don't think we'll update the actual episode, but it is Warrington. Maybe we can do it uh, computer style. Warrington. <laughs> As she walked around Warrington. Well, for some exciting news, some of you may know that earlier this year I had a short story. It was about episode length featured in Mitzi Soretto's book, Best True Crime Stories, Crimes of the Famous and Infamous. In it, I told the story of Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle. Well, I have since submitted a story about Catherine Knight, the first woman in Australia to be given a life sentence. And that story will be featured in the new book, Women Who Murder. And it is available now for pre-sale and it will be released March 12th. Yay, congrats. Thank you. And thank shout out to Gaz, my pal in Australia. Oh, yeah. I was just talking to him the other day. I did a lot of uh, messaging going, Gaz, what does this word mean? Does <laughs> <laughs> this mean drunk or party? <laughs> so what stories do we all have coming out next? I just read Jack Olson's book, Charmer, and I'll be doing an episode on that uh, in a couple weeks. That's about George Russell Jr. And he's a serial killer. And I read it, too. So it should be a good, fun time talking about it together. Also, I think I'll be covering soon the murder of Michael Frank, who worked for the Oregon Department Mm. of Corrections. That's a fascinating assassination sort of crime and there's an Angelina Jolie movie that she was in about that case. Are you watching it as a source? I have already watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few cases I'm reviewing, but I think the case that I'll be doing next is out of Washington from the 90s. And it was a stabbing death where DNA analysis helped solve the case years later. But you never know with me. I'll be working on a case and another one will grab my <laughs> attention. So I reorder them. So, But I think that's what I'm doing next. I'm kind of in the same place because I am hoping to interview Patrick, who I've been speaking with for quite some time, trying to get some case records and and documentation. So I'm hoping to interview him and have the story of his mother, who was murdered in the 80s, be my next case. Like you said, depending on travel and everything else, things always happen. Yeah. uh, And something else might pop in. But that is my expectation. It'll come as no surprise to anyone that listens. The killer had been paroled after a violent rape of another woman before committing this murder. You're just continuing that series. I didn't mean to, but (laughs) it just is a natural series that maybe the whole show should just our podcast should change to that. Yeah. (laughs) No more murder in the rain. We're called out too soon. (laughs) Oh, trademark. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's one of our episodes, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. That's a good title, though. Think about it. <laughs> side Sidecast. Side hustle. So what about a little mini shoop in the poop? I'm sure we all have topics. Oh, yeah. let's do it. Well, I know I have a topic. Should I start? Please. Hey, yeah, I want to shoop. Okay, so those of you who have listened to Shooping the Poop on Patreon know that I have quoted or creatively quoted a movie from the 90s that I could not remember. And we even had people write us and say, what was the movie? Right. Well, it's been a long week, but I finally figured it out. (gasps) 
Oh, my God. Thank God. What a relief. I'm so excited. (laughs) So last Shoop in the Poop, Josh, you flat out were like, what is the movie? And so I want to walk you through (laughs) what I knew and and my Google spiral that ensued. (laughs) Here's what I knew. There was a teenager in the movie (laughs) and the teenager lived in a small town and wanted to get to a big city for some reason. Right. Uh, There was a babe. Yeah. (laughs) There was a strip club scene. And that is what what I've been quoting because it's funny. It's about not being able to have steak while watching strippers with Bush. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's how we got there. Okay, That's how Patreon shoop in the poop. So then I was what I knew was, okay. I know it was in the 90s and I know one of the heartthrobs that I had a picture on my wall was on the 90s. So I was thinking Brad Renfro. It had to be Brad Renfro. Now, Brad Renfro did a movie. It was like American Girl or something. It was so funny. It was like a hysterical comedy. So I'm like, oh, it must be him. He was in it. Then I said, no, you know, I don't think it's him. So Saturday morning, I'm like, maybe it was that Kiss movie. Um, What's it called? Where the four boys, they're in a high school, they're in a band in oh, high God, school. It's happening oh, again. Detroit Rock City. Detroit oh, Rock City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, maybe that's it because it's about four teenage boys who love Kiss. They're in a Kiss cover band. Yeah, that would fit. They have tickets to Kiss and one of the kids' moms is really religious and she burns the tickets and it's them <laughs> trying to get to the city and there's a strip club scene. Well, I watched it. That wasn't it. But you know who was in it? Edward Furlong. Eddie Furlong, who I loved <laughs> since The Terminator. So then I said, understandable mix-up. I, I seriously was going to say Brad uh, Edward Furlong is like the, well, somehow even more like kind of dirtbaggy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he was. He, but he was my dirtbag boyfriend. Yeah. So then I go, it was Eddie Sizzler Furlong. Cook. He's a sizzler cook. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, inside jokes, Emily had a sizzler boyfriend. Um no, so then I'm like, it was Eddie Furlong. So then I started diving into his IMDb, and there it was. Oh my God. The movie oh I've been God. quoting Pecker. Oh. Have you seen Pecker? Yeah. Classic. I can picture the front cover with his little camera. It's from right. 1998. He's a. He's John a, Waters movie. Yep. He takes photos and he gets uh, some celebrity out of it and he goes to the city and has an art show. Christina Ricci's in it. Wow. It is great. So if you want to see the. the movie <laughs> watch pecker if you want to see the scene where they have picket signs and are going b e a v e r incredible <laughs> it's so I great i applaud your effort i feel relieved and it's cool that you've seen a john waters movie yeah i've seen that movie so many times it was shocking i forgot so much of it that's such a john waters plot point too <laughs> yeah something about strippers <laughs> in their bush <laughs> wow well here have a listen Pubic hair and liquor. It's just plain illegal. B e a v e r pecker. Cover it up. Pubic hair, harass it. Fever brutality. Pubic hair is against the law. We want Bush. We want Bush. We want Bush. So I'm glad I could bring a little relief to us. Thank you. And now you guys can go watch that amazing movie because I love that movie. Yeah, we'll probably be talking about it on the next Shoop in the Poop. I think so. <laughs> we'll all watch it and then come back and discuss. We'll watch it on the plane. It's like a, a book club, but with a movie. Wow. <laughs> so, Josh, you've been unfaithful to us. That's true. You've spoken to another podcast. <gasps> How dare you? Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, I talked to the Bloodworks podcast. Bloodworks Northwest is, I think they're a nonprofit blood donation center, and they provide almost all of the blood to hospitals in the Northwest. And I had a transfusion when I had my heart surgery. Was that last year? That was last year. Lord. 
and uh, I received blood from Bloodworks, and they wanted to talk to me about my experience getting that uh, open heart surgery because uh, well, the person I talked to is a, a fan of. Oh, so that's how they show. found you. They yeah. listen to the show. That's so cool. She said that everyone there does because oh. they're all, you know, well, tell them to, they creeps. need to all follow us separately on the streaming platforms, even if they <laughs> air it in the office. Hey, Bloodworks, we know you're listening right now. First off, hello. Secondly, thank you for your work. Thirdly, you guys, if you could stream it and mute it, give us those downloads. Okay. Oh, yeah, just let it roll. Because I know we have a lot yeah. of fans from doctor's offices who they just play it in the uh, in the hallway where they're where they sit on one person's streaming app. Like, and we hate you for it. <laughs> no, we don't. Oh, we love we you. We don't hate you for but it. But we'd also love you if you all follow us. <laughs> well, so speaking of that episode, if you want to hear Josh in another setting, that will be coming out on October 19th. We'll be sure to share that on, on social medias. And their big, exciting thing coming up, why they wanted to talk to him, is they are opening a new donor center in Beaverton on October 21st. So another reason to have a sign that says Beaver. That's right. (laughs) Ton. Bloody Beaver. Bloody Beaver. What's the opposite of a protest because you could have encouragement signs encouragement yes. signs yeah. yeah i talked to helen she interviewed me over zoom and she was she's the one that was the fan of the show and she was great to talk to very uh comfortable conversation and it was really the first time i talked about it in that kind of detail with, with like a stranger that's great but it was it was a cool experience and uh yeah she was rad that's awesome yep Bloodworks, baby. Can't wait to hear it. And yeah, there. I mean, I would be interested in like doing some sort of like blood drive participation yeah, at some point. Really I've never given blood. I'd like to do that too. Maybe we could, we could do a live show while yeah. everyone's oh, bleeding yeah. into bags. Oh, like, we, like, we pass out. Yeah. So. We're walking around with our bleeding blood bags. bags. Maybe we can be giving blood while telling a case. We'll be giving people our blood, just handing it to them. <laughs> Ellen? Oh, oh boy. Do we have any reminders? Yes, I wanted to say since, you know, again, we have these new listeners and our new crime con friends and everybody that we have a ton of older episodes that aren't on our main feed any longer, only because our writing has improved, our research has improved, our sound quality has improved, and those just didn't really represent our quality anymore. So they are still available Emily, where can they find them? You can get them on Patreon for at least a dollar a month. You'll have access to everything. Or you can just go for Freezy on uh, YouTube. Yeah. We kept them all there. They're all still in existence. I've had people ask about specific ones. Let us know if you're trying to find it and we'll we'll send you in the right direction. Or if you've listened to all of the episodes that are up. Start them again, baby. You got a ton more to go listen to. So there you have it. A little snippet of everything Murder in the Rain likes to do, both on our main show and... Patreon. On Patreon. So thanks for listening. And let us know how you feel about this. We might be doing this more often because we do get case updates and like to share new information or or active stories that are going on that we aren't going to do a whole episode on. Yeah, yay or nay. Send us an email. Beautiful. We're good. Um, that sounds fun. I know. I'm down. Not with not, not with you. With you. But... <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> what you talking about, crotch? <laughs> Shoop. Josh, do you want me to write something about Shoop the poop, or do you just want to talk? Just wing it. Yeah, I'll just wing it. I guess. Okay. I think. Yeah, I'm I think great at that. Because I'm not sure if you have anything you want to share there. It's like about updates and stuff. Oh, me? No. Me? Yeah. Mm-mm. 
Not from the 40s, usually, no. I was on to Ed. Helen, my buttons! Oh. She ripped the buttons right off my shirt. Hello, Helen. I've seen you stand around and do stuff. Very sassy. And I cocked my hip out, and the teacher said, that's too sassy. Go to detention. Bitch. Their PR guy enjoyed your storytelling so much that he would like you to maybe partner with them for um, the opening. Um, Are you serious? I love this. Oh, my God. I love this for you. I I was like, after it was over, I was like, did I say anything that was a word? That's a fun thing to promote. Blood. I love blood and uh, people letting it be taken from them. I know there are other ways to be intimate or whatever, but gag. Well, you might gag. No, I won't. <laughs> it, it, can, it can have that you... Well, it will... Josh, have you looked over enough to understand what's going on? Well, we were talking about uh, boners, so no, I was <laughs> completely distracted. Do you have a boner if I now? just follow... No. <laughs> Let me go run inside real quick, and I'll have one by the end of this recording. <laughs> Show me how quick those pills work, baby. Well, 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 wiener. Curd or had been made up with... <laughs> People were speculating. Speculating, speculating. <laughs> oh, jinx. <laughs> Human response. Flavel. Like Nick Nicholas Flamel, but Flavel. Okay. <laughs> From Harry Potter. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> I was really hoping that was someone you knew and you were like, <laughs> that's my reference now. <laughs> While we weren't sure how it came to be. Oh, Excuse me. Oh, <laughs> a rare <laughs> Emily burp. What a thrill. Also, I was going to say, if... Uh, Can you it, stop talking? Honestly, it's something that... Uh, <laughs> they want me on the news. Everyone wants to hear me talk now. <laughs> yes, I want to say, again, because we've got all... This sounds like the hit CBS drama Fire Country, <laughs> but the guy's a piece of shit. Murder in the Rain is a Cascade Media production, written and hosted by Emily Rowney, Alicia Holland, and Josh McCullough, edited by Josh McCullough. You can always contact us at murderintherain at gmail.com or through our website, murderintherain.com. If you just can't get enough of Murder in the Rain, for as little as $5 a month, you'll have exclusive access to bonus episodes at patreon.com. You can find us on all of the socials, and for more true crime, follow at M underscore Murder in the Rain on TikTok, and you can also listen to Alicia and Josh on their other show, Always Be My Sisters. And suck my balls. <laughs>